Well, our readings today have some apparently um, conflicting messages in them. The first reading today is from Genesis when Abraham attends to the three men who turn out to be angels. He doesn't realize that they're uh, angels at first, but is hospitable to them. Um, in, in the grand context of the story, sometimes we just get like a little snapshot, especially in the Old Testament. But what was the life of Abraham all about? It was the promise that God had made to him um, to be the father of a gigantic nation. And his wife, Sarah, and he were very old and still had not had a child, and they were waiting. And Abraham had made all sorts of acts of trust in the Lord um, in leaving his home in Ur of the Chaldeans to go to this promised land, and still the Lord had not fulfilled his promise. And the Lord had just made a covenant with Abraham, actually, and the mark of the covenant was circumcision. So he and all the male uh, members of his family needed to be circumcised, and he, as an adult, had circumcised himself and was laying in the tent, presumably uh, recuperating from this uh, kind of traumatic surgery almost. And there are these three strangers standing outside of his tent. And he, in the heat of the day, the hottest part of the day in the Middle East, is sitting there, uh, presumably in pain. And these three strangers come and he rushes out. It says he runs. Imagine, he runs out to meet them um, simply to beg them. And he refers to himself as their servant, uh, to wash their feet and to wash their hands and to make bread and uh, uh, basically feed and and be hospitable to them. And so they allow him to do this. And before they leave, tell him that before we come back next year, uh, you'll have a son. And Sarah, it doesn't include it in the reading, actually laughs at this. She thinks that's ridiculous. Um, But it turns out to be true. And not knowing it, Abraham had been hospitable to angels Um, even God himself in the person of his messengers. So Abraham is praised for doing this. Now let's look at the gospel where Martha and Mary, this famous story of the sisters who um, received Jesus into their home in Bethany, uh, where Martha is sort of doing all of the work. She's the one running around making sure that Jesus is taken care of, washing his hands and feet and making the food and everything like that. And her sister Mary is doing nothing but sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him speak. This would, for so many reasons, so many social reasons, this would have been um, seen as rude. One being that hospitality, as we can see from the Abraham story, in the Middle East, in the ancient Middle East, was such a high priority, was such a matter of pride that you would attend to your guests and to their every need. And to be sitting there doing nothing, especially, though, as a woman, Mary, it would have been customary for the men to sit around in the parlors, so to speak, and especially if a rabbi came by to listen to him speak, but that a woman would presume to sit there and not do uh, the household work was so radical, and yet she's the one that gets praised. Martha is the one that gets sort of scolded. Oh, Martha, Martha, uh, you're worried about many things. Mary has chosen the better part, the one thing necessary to sit at my feet and to, and to listen. How do we make sense of these apparently conflicting things in the Bible? Well, I think one way to um, get at it is the idea that you can, do, you can be doing the same thing, or two different people can be doing the same thing, but for very different reasons, or with very different intentions, or in very different ways. I um, experienced this once when I was in college. I uh, I joined the team of sacristans, those uh, students who volunteered to, to set up for Mass. Um, 
and at first there's like so many little details that you have to think about when you like the color of the vestments is it a feast day today did you put out enough hosts uh, for the people that will be at mass today did you remember to light the candles if it's Easter did you remember to light the Easter candle the chalice the wine the books setting up the tabs and making sure the vestments are all set up for the priest so at first like when you haven't ever done something like that and you don't you're, you're just learning it, it it's all details but then I noticed that as I got more used to it, and I just kind of I could show up like a few minutes before mass and do it all really quickly, um, because I more or less understood how everything worked. Um, then it became sort of routine, and then I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't need to pay attention to the details. But then I realized what I was doing, and I tried to be more intentional about it, and realizing that as I set out the vestments, say, that I was setting out these things which would clothe. Christ and the person of the priest and try to, with love and intention and attention, to put those things out in a way that was respectful and reverent and holy. The same thing with the bread or the wine. You know, you got this big jug of wine, you're just pouring it into the little flagon or you're, you're taking the, this little carton of, of hosts and just kind of shaking them into a dish. But realizing that this bread and this wine will become the presence of Christ in the Eucharist or even the way that I would serve Mass, you know, to be intentional about the fact that the way I serve Mass is helping the people, the presence of Christ in the people, to recognize who they are and to understand the mystery that we're celebrating. Like, everything that we, can, we do, particularly for me in the Mass, it was so obviously serving Christ and attending to and paying attention to Christ. And there's a way that you can do that that's just busy, that's just details, that's just checking boxes and getting things done, or you can make it an act of love. And I actually like the word attend. In Spanish, atender has a lot of different meanings. It's to pay attention to someone, like atender a una persona, to attend to a person is to listen to what they're saying, but it's also to take care of them, to... to, uh, provide for them, to be hospitable to them, to atender una persona bien, to, to attend to someone well, is to make sure that they feel welcome. And so in a certain way, like what Abraham is doing and what Mary is doing are, are two sides of the same coin. They're attending to the person. They're loving and paying attention to the presence of God in their midst, in the person of their guest. And I think maybe what Jesus is critiquing in, in Martha is that she's just occupied with the things, many things, but Mary is occupied with the person. Well, this gets to not just hospitality and when you have a guest over, but um, I think to the whole Christian life. Because if Christianity is just a list of things we have to do or a list of things that we can't do, and it's not attention to a person, it's not the presence of Christ in our midst, then it devolves into something called moralism. It's not Christianity, but moralism, which is just basically trying to be morally perfect or trying not to be morally offensive. And Christianity is not moralism. There's a great quote I came across this week by Father Luigi Giassani. He said, The passion to change one's life lives within the experience of Christ, and it is the opposite of moralism, not a law to which we conform conform but a love to which we adhere, a presence to follow more and more with all of ourselves. When we look at the world as Christians, I think um, 
we see there's a lot of work to be done to bring about the kingdom of God. Even when we look at ourselves or our families or our homes or our workplaces, we think there's so much to be done to build the kingdom of God. There's so many places in which Christ has not been attended to. But if we just look at that as a list of chores, a list of things to do, a list of flaws to, to correct, it's easy to get very discouraged. And also, when we think about the world that way, or we think about ourselves that way, as just sort of a, a list of things to correct or to make better, we sort of get a utopian vision of Christianity or of the kingdom of God, that someday everything will be perfect. Or like we're working towards in our spiritual life or in our Christian life to some end, then finally we'll be done. The kingdom of God will be built. I'll be a perfect saint. But it's not like that. Christianity is not moralistic and it's not utopian. Christianity is apocalyptic. Now, that word is kind of scary, right? Apocalypse, we think of the end of the world. But it's actually good that we are an apocalyptic religion because apocalypse does mean the world is coming to an end, that you have to die to rise from the dead, that this world is passing away. That's what apocalypse means. But it also, apocalypsis is the same as revelation. That's why the book of Revelation is the apocalypse. It means to pull back the veil. It means to show what's behind the world that we see. The, one, the world that's passing away is giving way to a new one in you and in me. We're not building a utopia. We're proclaiming and magnifying a presence that's already here in you, in me, in the sacraments, in our neighbor. And this is good news. Why? Because I don't have to wait for the world to be fixed. I don't have to wait for myself to be perfect, to hear and now understand and experience my own destiny as a Christian, as a saint, as a holy one that's been chosen by God. I can right here, right now, in the messy world, in my messy life, with all my sins and all my imperfections, that I can attend to the presence of Christ in my midst. How? In the Eucharist, in the sacraments, to pay attention to not let ourselves be so distracted by things, tasks, entertainments, pleasures, but to let those things kind of take second place to the one who's in our midst, Jesus himself. Not because we have to, not out of guilt, but because we love him and we want to be hospitable to him. In our neighbor, the person sitting next to us or the person in the street, the person in our workplace, the person in our family, that's Christ in our midst. And as Christians, we don't believe that, oh, I serve my neighbor because it's like I'm serving Christ. It's no, I'm actually serving Christ. It only seems like I'm serving my neighbor. The reality, the apocalyptic reality, the veil that's being torn away is that that's the reality. I'm actually serving Christ in my neighbor. And finally, in myself, Maybe this is the one we ignore the most. That Christ is in me. And it's often that I get distracted by a lot of different things. I'm like Martha, attending to way too many things and not the one thing necessary. What does St. Paul say in our second reading? The mystery hidden from generations and ages past has been manifested to his holy ones, to whom God chose to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. It is Christ in you, the hope for glory. 
Christ is in our midst, brothers and sisters, in the sacraments, in our neighbor, and in ourselves. That's the mystery that's being revealed. We're not building utopia. We're not in a self-help program where we're trying to get perfectly morally excellent. We are magnifying and attending to the presence of Christ already in our midst to grow in that holiness, to grow in that awareness, and so bring the kingdom of God to bear on earth.